All right, we're in sync. We did it. We did it. Congratulations. That's our Friday accomplishment right here is that we managed to wow. overcome <laughs> the the multiple DAWs and multiple time zones and claps. And Winging it with Hank FaceTimes. and his <laughs> all right well you know what i feel warm do you do you all feel warm i feel good man I feel great very warm let's let us let us record a podcast gearbuds podcast episode 78 of gearbuds podcast which i just feel like i kind of every time i say a higher number which is going to happen every episode uh, I get excited because it's like, how did we do seven? We're just a couple of ding dongs. How do we make seventy eight of this I thing? Know. But here we are, and it's not just two these two ding dongs. We've also got an amazing guest today on the line right now, coming to us from Los Angeles, Pete Jonas. What's up, Pete? Hey, What's up, Pete. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for man. being on, man. Thank you so much for being with us. Pete is an excellent guitar player and has done a lot of cool stuff. And we are new friends and, and very excited to have him on today to talk about all, all sorts of cool stuff. Uh, before we do that, we're going to get into our usual segments here. So let us dive into the symphony of corrections. Here is your weekly reminder that cables are tone tubes. Thank you, everyone far and wide who listens to us and gives us so much excellent feedback and, and love uh, far and wide. You are the reason we do this. So thank you. Uh, follow us, Instagram, GearBuds Podcast, Facebook, subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Google, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I have something to update for the GearBudsPodcast.com free stuff section today. This is exciting uh, because who doesn't need another free uh, distortion filter uh, for their computer? It is made by B bpb bedroom producers blog has put out a free vst plugin i think it's called the dirty filter it's basically oh. like a sort of auto filtery kind of thing or, or notch filtery kind of thing with some distortion and, and cool stuff it's a vst plugin who doesn't i mean whatever it's you've got you've got the space on your computer just download it uh, <laughs> go there and check it out it's good i i put it on some trashy drums and it sounded pretty nice oh that's that's cool man it's a good yeah, way dude. to use it um exactly. hey I, you know, for the Symphony of Corrections, I actually have a correction this week. Uh, I love last that. Week. Yeah, it's uh, it's not in the notes, but I actually, um, we did a segment at the, at the end of the episode last week, and we talked about if you could have any four guitars or instruments, um, you know, what would you what would you pick? Oh, And I yes. mentioned the, the acoustic that I would choose was the John Lennon Acoustic Electric, yes. which I wrongly called an LG2. It's actually the Gibson J160. Um, J160E so, indeed. Yeah, so I just want to I want to put that out there. Yeah, J160E for electric, I would assume. Yep. Um we went on a rabbit hole looking at like late 50s versions. We started, you know, messaging them back and forth to each other and they are gorgeous guitars. So, um just wanted to straighten that out for Dude, all you Beatles fans out there. Thanks. Yeah, I totally forgot to throw that throw that in the old document, the old outline here. No problem. Yeah, dude. Uh sweet. We've got a correction. We actually have a correction for the same corrections. <laughs> We're not perfect. It's not a totally useless name. Uh, speaking of kind of useless names, uh, let's get into the subsegment "bad fucking ideas." Uh, so I've all, I there. This is actually not really a bad idea. This is a good idea, but uh, I wanted to give an update on it anyways. I don't know if you guys saw this. The Flaming Lips recently did a, a sort of like COVID socially distanced oh, live yeah. show where each concert member was in their own space bubble. Yeah, which is just like the most 
hilarious, amazing Flaming Lips thing. Yeah, it's so ever. Flaming Lips. I feel like they were like, doing they were that before. <laughs> so yeah, didn't they do something with, with rubber balls or bubbles before? Well, they, I mean, he's always, I mean, he's been using that shit on stage for decades now, but yeah. the, the, the entire, it was an indoor show, but the entire audience, they, every person there had their own spaced out bubble they they i know that they shot a video with like some of their friends and family or whatever yeah. and them doing and they're like actually you know what they they even did a tiny desk concert uh of their own where they were in five bubbles but oh, wow. um, which was and it was a cool it was a cool one i've got to say we haven't talked about it on the show yet but their new record is fucking dope and i'm super excited about it because i'm a huge flaming lips fan and i haven't been like the biggest fan of their last several records honestly they've done some cool stuff don't get me wrong but not as much as the old shit and this is like soft bulletin return to form amazingness so check out the new flaming lips record but yeah they did it and like it seems like they did it the right way you had to you know pass a test to get in and then you had your own bubble and they they figured out how to how to get people in and out of the room without having to interact with each other my only issue is that i don't i mean i'm not worried about having enough air inside this thing but i just am worried i'd like get a little claustrophobic feeling yeah i was gonna say that and i was also going to wonder what the audio actually sounds like inside of a plastic bubble like great question sound you know? i bet i bet you have to have some sort of supplemental audio maybe you have like remember when we went to that remember when we went to that one nam demo where we got to yep. check out like the live i can't remember what that was called now but it was yeah. everybody could have their own streaming live mix to their phone with your headphones so maybe it was something like that i don't know yeah mike eisinger from incubus was yeah uh, yeah it was incubus and polyphia creators. doing it yeah polyphia that's, that was cool um I can't remember the name of it, but maybe they had that live streaming audio where it was it was actually live, like zero lag. Which Could have been. Is, yeah. yeah. That would have been cool. So, I don't know. I just cool. want to throw that in there because, uh, you know, I love me some Flaming Lips. And I love I that say they're that's doing a, cool, a good cool COVID idea. stuff. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. the, the, the opposite of bad fucking ideas. But where else do I put it, you know? <laughs> uh, so this is also where I want to sort of just dump some things that we've been talking about pretty much every week in, in here. And this is just like my latest gripe about uh, Craigslist gear listings. Okay. Um, and, and my, we, some of the, some that we've talked about before are, are kind of classics, but I don't know if you, if, if either of you have run into this one in your gear nerdery searching, I've seen this happen twice and I, and I saved a specific example in the document just so I could remember, but people putting, actual trademark or restricted or copyright symbols in their in their <laughs> listing it was for an an affinity series precision base and they put the tm after affinity series wow. and they put restricted after precision base <laughs> oh my god um because that's a key stroke, right? you post. have to like dig to find that yeah that's, that's, an like, ASCII, that's like an shift ASCII alt code. 47 Exa- <laughs> yeah. exactly yes right so I don't know uh, I, that just that just or or the old classic just, of just googling stupid. restricted signs. Yeah, copy copy, <laughs> copy that. Sure, or maybe maybe you just like you know went to Sweetwater and they had it in there, but I can't imagine oh. they do because I copy I copy titles of stuff from Sweetwater and other yeah. sites like that all the time, and I never see the fucking Affinity Series TM Precision Base. Restricted. Exactly. Yeah, that's funny, man. For an, for like hundred and fifty. Yeah, for like an under two hundred dollar guitar. Right, I love that, man. That's so cool. So yeah, don't. Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm not going to tell you not to do that one. I just think it looks kind of stupid, and I wanted to talk <laughs> shit about it for a second. Well, and I saw the notes. I didn't actually know why you posted it. I didn't notice it until you brought it up. It was like, oh, there is a trademark in there. Dave, so I, I don't guess know. If, my eyes I, just I don't know if you right know this. There. Like, as I'm constructing these outlines, I specifically try to make them kind of not super 
obvious clear what i'm talking about because yeah. i like to surprise you too you, you know? got so, me. Like, <laughs> i, yeah. know, I, I yeah. didn't i didn't want you to like go into this one knowing i thought uh, you were gonna say like fender's got some new bass for 185 dollars i was gonna be like that's cool you know yeah. <laughs> nope nope this is this is purely purely i just wanted I to get it, some man. reactions zero notes you. zero notes next to it I love yeah it. i've got to remember it's like a little it's a little test for myself too <laughs> Uh, all right, just a couple other things to mention real quick in here. Oh yeah, uh, this is this is timely, uh, especially considering our guest, but Black Bob and our friends and yours, uh, previous guest Shelby yeah. Pollard, his yeah. adventure. They have an event coming up if you're in the Chicago area, and I know that we do have a lot of listeners here. Uh, October 24th, they're doing this thing with Hopewell, uh, which is a really cool brewery brewery uh, here in Chicago where you can go and like. I, you know, I don't know exactly everything that you can do there, but if I know, if I know Black Bob and there's going to be, uh, there's going to be some guitar stuff involved. There's going to be some coffee stuff involved oh. and there's going to be some Shelby involved. So awesome, I'll go have a, have a brew if you can. Okay, three uh, things check it out. that you need in the morning. Shelby, coffee, coffee Shelby and, and get, get boxes. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Go check it out. Go follow Black Bob. And if you haven't done that already. Um, you know, I I I don't really feel like getting into this right now, but I just want to share really quick with both of y'all that I just like have been learning everything there is to know about the most boring subject ever, and that is um, snakes and and like stage boxes, <laughs> and 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 getting audio from my control room over to like drum kits and stuff. Um, it's important. So yeah it, it it is it does turn out to be important but boy have i not have i ever I, I can't remember ever being so disinterested in something that i've been spending so much time learning about but um yeah that's been my past couple of days is learning learning everything about snakes and i just wanted to also mention that i have been re-watching metalocalypse and oh, that is available on hbo max yeah. and so the, i'm just going to call that segment snakes in a barrel uh <laughs> Uh, oh yeah as always visit saveourstages.com uh if you haven't already done that get in contact with your local congress people to get some actual change done for the people who need it uh, which is my friends and yours the the people in the live sound entertainment world Absolutely. okay sweet excellent symphony folks thanks for for going on that journey with us i want to take you on another journey real fast and that journey is to dave's docs <laughs> Yeah, baby. Uh, dude, thank you for the intro that time. I felt like it was a really it was a wind up pitch is what that one was. And, you know, before I get into Dave's docs today, I just want to give a shout out to our friend Speedbow uh, from the Apple Podcasts in Australia. Um, they uh, they 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 left a really nice review about the podcast. Wait, what are you talking March. about? Are you, you is, this, is this a bit? No, I'm serious. Um, <laughs> you, you sent me a link, and there was uh, oh, some people who sent some really nice stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah, and yeah. And it, yeah. it stood out to me that you know they said it's a really great podcast, just two buds talking, you know, talking crap about gear and all that stuff. But then they said Dave's Docs is a great source for movie night, and I just you know I want to say shout out to Speedbow Australia. I hope you're still listening. Um, we got another one for you, man. This one is coming in hot from Amazon Prime. Uh, I'm really glad we have a guitar player on today. And I know you're going to like this one too, Henry, because I know you're a huge Bowie fan. Mm. Um, oh, is it the Mick Ronson? It's the it's Mick, Mick Ronson. Ronson. Yeah. Did you watch it? Did you guys no, see I it? I haven't watched it yet. Okay. Definitely watch it. Um, Wait, did you see it, Pete? No, but this is not the first time I've been recommended it. Oh, Dude, it's excellent. Fucking awesome. I don't know when it came out, to be honest, um, I but like I have heard of 2018 or something. Yeah, it's recent for sure. And uh, actually, Bowie narrates it, which is really Whoa. cool. Awesome. So I awesome. want to say it's maybe, yeah, like they must have obviously filmed it before his death and all that, but it was like 2017 or 2018. A friend of mine recommended it to me, um, so I had to check it out. 
And I'm so glad we have a guitar player. And Henry, obviously, is a great guitar player as well. Mick Ronson doesn't get enough fucking credit as a guitar player, dude. Like, He's absolutely. one of my biggest influences, too. Dude, that's like, awesome. Man. And as a producer, not to mention. Yes. And, and like, got, like, string arrangements and, like, exactly. dude. He was, like, classically trained, but then, like, they were like, well, you can chart all this stuff out. So, like, when they did Man Who Sold the World, he took weeks off, and he basically scored the entire record out and came back and was like, all right, guys, like, this yeah. is all the parts written out, layered in, like, handwritten, you know, on score sheets. Like, incredible shit, man. Oh, boy. Um, a really nice thing that I learned, and I did not know this, his tone comes, well, I would say his, like, early tone, you know, from, like, those, the, the Spiders from Mars oh, records yes. and all that, comes from playing a wah pedal half open and just crank the gain on his amp. Yeah, that's right. I did not know. Yep. Different positions depending on like, the, the but song. he would just like leave it there. He yeah. never yeah. like, you know, used it like, you know, Jimmy or something like him that. and uh, him like, and him and Zappa were both very good at that, oh, man. And so like, you know, and I, there's uh there's interviews with guys in it and they're just like, I've, it was probably one of the first guitar players I came across that like literally just had his own sound. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I didn't know that he produced with Bowie uh, Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Yeah. I mean, which is such a fucking incredible song. Um, it's such a good doc, man. I mean, I don't want to get, you know, too deep into it. I'm sure you guys know a lot more about it than I do, to be honest. Um, I didn't Wait, so know. Hold that- on really quick. Did they? Yeah. Is it? And since, obviously, since Bowie's narrating, this is a fully authorized doc yes. that has all the like performances and fully and, and authorized, which is which is kind of crazy because when they when they start talking about spiders breaking up and all that stuff. It was a lot of it. Be- it came from like Bowie wasn't paying anybody. He was paying him like thirty bucks a week, basically. No and, like, shit. Yeah, dude. Like, hey, and and like um, uh, Mick himself wasn't getting like any credits on the albums. I mean, the whole thing was kind of it was pretty dirty, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it like I said, authorized documentary, music footage. Like, it wasn't one of those cheap like Amazon docs. That, yeah, right. You know, once in a while we come across and it's like you know some kid <laughs> like, like slapped it together on you know iMovie or something. Ken like that, Burns you know? effect of like Google yeah. Images. <laughs> With that, it's always in that same font. Like the, yeah. the all the titles are always that same Apple font. I don't even know. Yeah, what it is. just like yeah, it's like like the Myriad Pro or something like that. It, just right dude, I think that I think that was it. Nailed That's it. That's the default Adobe font. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it's uh, you know, it, it, it's fucking awesome, man. Um, it, you know, it goes into like when he joined Mott the Hoople and all that stuff. And uh, you know, I don't want to give it away, but I, I can't say too much. I can't say enough about it. Um, I'm gonna give it four and a half out of five Les Pauls. For sure, mm. on the Dave scale, um, Dude, so okay. So obviously, you know, I'm gonna as a Les Paul custom, yeah, person. I what what? How was the gear spotting? Uh, was I mean, a lot any, of anything a lot that of, jumped out at you. A lot of Les Pauls. I would yeah. definitely say that. I don't. I actually didn't see him. I'm trying to think. I don't think I saw him playing anything else. Um, he had like a natural finish Les Paul, which I don't. You don't Sweet. see very often. No, it was like a light, awesome. light natural finish. Um, I thought it was white. I mean, he might have had a white one. I'm sure he had a few, but um, yeah, I mean, when I picture Mick Ronson in my brain, it's with a white yeah, ball custom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and then I saw him down to his knees. Yeah, yeah. Right. well, yeah, because he was a pretty small dude, right? Like yeah, I think because that guitar looked big on him, and it's and it's not like Les Paul customs are that big. I would say that like he stands right next to Bowie, and he doesn't look any taller or shorter than him. Yeah. So you know, however tall Bowie was, which I don't think he was very I, tall. Look, right? as as a as a as a very tall person, that makes Les Pauls look kind of small. I'm all that's just like something that I always notice. Like I always want to look like Jimmy Page or something, yeah. holding one, but he, I'm just not that little. <laughs> and, um, you know, another thing I didn't notice. I mean, the, the the movie really portrays him as like they kind of had this like Mick and Keith Rolling Stones relationship, where you know they're writing the songs, they're like 
and all the pictures together. They were kind of like, you know, they were doing that thing. And when he left, Bowie was desperately trying to find somebody to pick up the pieces. And, and, and Mick himself was also, he went on as like this solo record and everybody was like, yeah, it was kind of like seeing a Bowie concert without Bowie. You know, like the band sounded the same. You could yeah. hear, you know, his his integral parts in the songs. But, um, you know, they, they kind of weren't the same once they left each other. And then that's when Bowie, you know, started the Diamond Dogs thing. And, you know, he went off the rails and did all the rails. Um, hey. Yeah, I, I think there was a quote. There wasn't enough cocaine in the world uh, to satisfy him. <laughs> so, um, you know, not to not to speak ill of Bowie, but oh, hey, man, it, it was the, it was the early 70s, bro. I mean, you know, that's, that's just what you did. Yeah. So anyways, got to recommend it. Gotta recommend it. Uh, Amazon Prime, it's free. I mean, if you don't have Amazon Prime right now, like, I don't know what you're doing with your life. So go check it out. Sick, dog. Yeah. All right, man. I love it. Excellent riff. I have that was, uh, one that was an excellent little gear-related aside related to, Please. Uh, Please. Um, to that. The Are you guys familiar with the, the Chase Bliss Benson Amps Automaton preamp? Oh yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. We were, were checking that out at Nam this year. It was mm-hmm. it was insane. So this cocked wah pedal sound is something that I've been able to get with that actually. Just Ooh, like with getting the yeah, like, turning the mids up really to the peak and then making the frequency kind of low on them. Dude, and, like a good amount, of, good amount of gain. I was like, I did like a side by side. I was able to like really get that um, that like Aladdin insane. Kind of uh, that song, The Prettiest Star, I was able to get that sound. I was like, oh, cool. I'm just going <laughs> to keep amazing. this as a sneaky little preset just so I have And that's it. the thing. You've got presets yeah. now, so you can just do that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, as if I needed any more reason to desperately desire that thing. <laughs> no, I can add another one to the list. because that, yeah, that, I mean, I, I use a PDF on my board to do that sort of exact thing, just like a real pronounced mid-honk spike thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, to have that already in the in the chase bliss deal. Oh boy. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Yeah. That's getting, I'm, I'm bumping it up. It's already on the list. I'm just going to bump it up higher. On the <laughs> list. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to talk about a record of actually, you know, before I do that. So this is, this is a riff library where I talk about one of my favorite records that I have on vinyl every week. Uh, but before I do, before I get into the one that I re- had already prepared, like right before we went to tape this, I realized that today is the, uh, on this day in 1968, one of my very, very, very favorite records of all time came out, and I just want to honor that really quickly, which is Electric Ladyland oh, cool. by Jimi Hendrix. Beautiful. Yeah. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So today, um, I'm not, I, today, yeah, 1968, his October Jimmy's 16th. third LP. Uh-huh. Yeah. So That's I didn't the best know that, and I, and, I, and I wish I had been ready for that because uh, you know, love that album, but I'm not. And I'm going to talk about another record that I do love, uh, and and this is this one I feel like of of some of the records that I've uh, talked about on here is possibly one of the more divisive. Uh, in that this is a, from a band that I love, but I'm not like it, it's a band that has some really dedicated fans. Uh, and, and I feel like those dedicated fans don't particularly love this record. And that is Sky Blue Sky from Wilco. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. Is it wow. oh, oh, so you're a fan? I'm a huge fan of that album and that band. Oh, yeah. Yes. OK, this this works out great. Dave, where do you where do you sit on? it? Yeah, I love Wilco, man. Tweeze the man. See, that's like, OK. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and this record are two of my all-time very, very favorite records. But I like 
I don't get into much of the other stuff. And I mm-hmm. feel like that's that can be kind of the opposite for a lot of people because a lot of people really like the more sort of alt-country original stuff and mm-hmm. the stuff that came after. But yeah, there's something about this record that just hit me at the right time in my life that uh, it just it means a lot to me. Um, came out in 2007 on None Such. Uh, they did it. Actually, I think this was the first record that they actually produced themselves and recorded basically themselves at the loft here in Chicago. Yeah. Also, the first record, the first studio record that had Nels Klein and Pat Sansone yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, I think that if you if for anybody that's never listened to this record and, and I say this lovingly, I, I think the best way to describe it would be tender dad rock. it's got it's 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 a very sort of like intimate and kind of personal sounding record and and it's got some really sweet kind of like extended jazz uh, ripping dad solos that i just truly love but it's also like pop songs really it's it's kind of like beach boysy influenced almost sort of beatlesy or even stonesy in some ways influenced pop pop rock guitar stuff which is Mm -hmm. awesome and and it's just it's it hits it hits me so hard um the, the one of the other things that was, that was interesting about this that this record kind of represented this huge cultural turning point for wilco because up until then they never really had you know they had a, a, a fervent fan base and they toured and obviously had all done all these other projects and everything but they never really had this big sort of like hit or anything um and this record actually debuted at number four on billboard really and this was yeah and this record also they did six i don't know if you guys remember this they did six Volkswagen commercials with song, six different songs from this record oh, wow. were in Volkswagen commercials. And it was specifically, they said they wanted to, to sort of figure out, uh, they wanted to expand their base and, and get a, a larger audience. And they felt like, all right, well, this is the, the way to do it. Hmm. Um, it's man. I don't know. Like, I don't know last time you guys checked out this record, but there are still some seriously just like ripping guitar solos on this yeah, record. I mean, that, like, the first song either way, either way, that, that guitar solo that guitar, and then possible Germany after solo that sounds like a painting. It's yeah. like <laughs> I love that. Dude, totally. Hell yeah, man. It's, oh my god. It just comes out and you're like, well, I didn't know that I needed that, but <laughs> I feel oh, wiser after having heard that. that. Yeah, I've tr- I've tried I, I I mean this record is specifically why I bought my the Jazzmaster that I had for years was to try to like get into the Nels world. Nels Klein uh, is the reason I bought my Jazzmaster too. <laughs> the I, I got wow. to, I mean, I did, I'll be honest, like, and this is not a very cool thing to admit to but like when I met him, I, I told him that I was like, <laughs> I, like, I, I'm sure you hear this all the time, but, like, and we were, it was like mid conversation, but I was like, I just want you to know that I, I literally bought a jazz master. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man. And he was like, oh yeah, cool, man. Like, cool, bro? Know, so like, whatever, <laughs> you know, he was fine about it, but what do you, what do you say to something like that? Yeah. Um, here's another thing that I didn't know about this record that I learned in my research. They did a lot of the songs they would sort of do like in a day so it'd be like all right today we're gonna like really hammer in on impossible germany and then just like they spent the whole day getting all the parts deciding what it was gonna sound like and then they were done with it they ready to mix <laughs> by the that was it yeah um it was also nominated for a grammy which i guess i didn't realize either uh but i oh i've got a re- i've got i found it like probably my favorite quote of from a review that i want to share with you this was from blender which they gave it a three and a half out of five you know pretty pretty solid positive review but there's a quote that i had to pull in here that is quote often feels like the dead's american beauty if jerry garcia had taken paxil instead of acid (laughs) that's that's the best wow. thing. I, there's, I could never in any way say it better than that. And and I think that that's a beautiful, like that's a positive thing to yeah, say. I, would take I don't, that think, as I don't take that as a slam sure. in any way. No, 
That's awesome, man. So I, that's enough about this record. If you haven't ever listened to it, I highly recommend it. I'll throw it uh, on the old weekly GearBuds podcast playlist for the old Riff Library. Uh, I, fr- I realized that I hadn't done that in the past couple of weeks, so that is now fully updated for anybody who's following. Thank yeah. you for doing that. The Impossible and, Journey yeah. solo, too. That's right. Yep. It's it's just it's it is a masterclass. Uh, that's the and the, the the if you pay attention, the arrangements are pretty interesting. There's some really cool like the songs are straightforward, but the 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 actual structure of everything is is pretty interesting. They're, they're kind of out, like shake it off, like things like that. Those are like r- musically very weird. Like, they are weird, yeah. I'm forget. Totally. I'm, for, I'm looking at the track listing right now. This it has some like of those like alt country kind of songs on it too like walking and hate walking yeah yeah walking's a weird one yeah that's, yeah. that's kind of the goofy that's like the uh what that would be like the song that ringo sang on the record yeah <laughs> Uh, I actually I was doing a little when I was like trying to think I might want to be the sort of person that like covers songs and plays on, on acoustic guitar and sings them. I used to, I used to do a little version of "Please Be Patient with Me." That's a that's a fun one to do yeah. as an unaccompanied kind of deal. All right, well that's enough about me and us and the things that we like. I want to talk more about Pete here, uh, and we the way that we sort of like to warm up and get into that is with a little segment called "A Couple Two Tree Randos," where I just ask you a couple two tree rando questions. So here we go. Uh, if you could swap places with any band member, past or present, any band, doesn't matter who they are or when they lived or what they played, if you can play it, if you cannot play it, whatever, just like in this purely hypothetical situa- situation, who would you swap places with and why? Meg White. Because Whoa. she's definitely a better drummer than I am. And nice. <laughs> And that would be so cool to really contribute to something by being rudimentary at it and 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 not being allowed to practice so you maintain that level of skill. yeah did you um that's a that's a that's, that's a, a great really cool one did you uh, did either of y'all happen to check out the uh, jack white snl performance yeah, yeah. i watched it the other day Loved it was it. great I, yeah, I, yeah it was i just really watched cool. it this morning it was really cool did you notice how the drummer had his drum set yeah. up dude like, that guy yeah. always were, like, plays like outwards? that it's crazy it's such a, it's such i've never it's seen that such a mind fuck I can't so remember cool. his name, Dave, but he played at one of the at a NAM event we were at. And I, oh, really? I yeah, I can't remember his name now. Oh, yeah, wow. Was he at the Fender ones? I think he might have been at the Fender yeah. ones. Yeah, he, he does rip. Oh, dude, I, it was so cool, man. I uh, I really dug it. Yeah. Also, absolutely. Jack White's shoes in the first song, I don't know what they were, but they were awesome, and I would like them. Those, like, Oxford ones, yeah. No, they were. It was not in, not when he was wearing the suit. It was when he had the like leather jacket and t shirt. He had these like Some gym shoes on. I don't know what they were. It was it was crazy. They almost sort of looked like slippers, but like or like Adidas slip ons, but they weren't. I don't know what was going on, but they were they were Some interesting, one-off. and I would like to know something more about the them. new Jack Whites. I sure. did notice. I did do a little pedal board spotting on that, and he did have his. Oh, new, they posted a picture of it. Yeah, with that like that that the Cooper Sound. Uh, yeah, the 3D, I got that. Like, I, thing. I I threw in on that. You did. You I all, did. What do you think? I, it's cool. It's really awesome. It's like a really. I actually am surprised by how well, especially the high octave, how well how well it tracks, because it's oh, mostly nice. an octave pedal. Yeah, it's got three different of those sort of like telegraph switches on there. Right? Yeah. Um, it's great. Like I was actually playing some clean guitar into it on say like the bridge pickup, um, with the high octave on, and getting like fake acoustic sounds, like. Playing guitar as I would play acoustic guitar, and like it was tracking, you know, like yeah, first position like chords, like well, and I was like, wow, that's, that's no shit. Wow. Like you know, not a lot of um, 
not a lot of octave pedals can do that. So yeah, no, very, very rarely. I did hear like if I hit the kill switch and have the low on, I do hear like I did hear like a tiny latent thing. But yeah, right. Only time I noticed that was when I was playing like really staccato, really fast. Like where it's, it's a, yeah, it's just right. like that little, like, that little like, but, like, I was like, yeah, I was like trying to like think through the lens and like to keep in time. But. <laughs> Sweet man. What, uh, what was your first concert? Um, my first concert was actually Lincoln park at the Staples nice. center. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. That's a, that's a big first show where, where you like begging, begging your, your family to take you or something like that. How yeah. That I went for my birthday. It was, it was really rad. It was, I think the, Meteora tour, hell yeah! Was was happy second, birthday, have second some record. second record, yeah, dude, yeah, 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 dude. Their first two records, were their it. first two records are so sick, dude. They're so good. I feel the like there's nobody I can say sure. that to. <laughs> oh, you can, you're, you're in a safe space, bro. You're in a safe space. Like, I mean, if you don't look at the production on that record and just be like, "This is this set like a benchmark of of how it's overproduced," of course, yeah, but like that is that's kind of the drip. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what you want about it. Yeah, exactly. The drip. I'm like, stealing that. I, like, too, it's like, you know, I've recently, like, gotten more into, like, groups like Gangstar and, like, old hip-hop yeah. with, like, real vinyl DJing and stuff. And, it's like, you listen sure. to those first couple Linkin Park albums and, like, bro on the turntables is ripping it up. Like, he's oh, taking yeah. solos. He's, like, it's, like... They have like a turntable. Who's their DJ? I can't think of the DJ's name. I was, I was trying to remember. I was, was I keep thinking it's I keep, Mr. Han, I think. Yeah, okay. Mr. Han. I kept wanting to say Han. DJ Lethal, but that's fucking that's, that's uh, the biscuit. Oh, yeah, they also had a turntable. They sure yeah. did. Yeah, that was oh the thing God. at that point in time. Yeah, everybody had a turntable at that point. I mean, you had to. <laughs> that's Incubus, it. All right, we need to we need to bring back turntables and rock music. I take it back. I take it back immediately. I don't mean that. Your right. hipster friends are going to have their way with you after that. That one, was right? excellent. Excellent first concert. Thank you for sharing that. If you had a time machine, where would you go? And what gear would you buy? Oh, um, honestly, it'd be really, really awesome to be there in like, like, uh, Hitsville for like the making of all Ooh. of those like records hang out with jamerson and yeah the, like the whole crew yeah when i've so what gear would i bring or, or, or yeah what would you get when you're there and bring back to now oh do you have a neve <laughs> <laughs> take the board please you just pack that right into my delorean thank you very much <laughs> just we'll bungee it to the back <laughs> i like Dude, i had a awesome. thought about this because you know it's like the ref the reverence towards like old gear from that time because everything yeah. sounded so good then. Like, um, even, like, in my production, like, most of the, like, drum sounds I use are sampled from, like, Motown records. Like, to get that, just, like, two mics on the drum set, mm-hmm. cranked through a Neve, just, like, blown out, just, like, poof, like <laughs> distorted awesome. and, like, gritty. Um, but it's, like, all of the equipment they were using then wasn't vintage then. Like it was exactly. New. Yeah. It was new. <laughs> like, so yeah, it's this like, is just like the new the new tool. Well, we, we yeah, we talk about that sometimes and we're like, does it sound good because our ears are used to hearing that, you know, from growing up and listening to oldies and all that stuff? Or, or was that just the purest form of what it was supposed to be? Yeah. Well, even like Jamerson's bass, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, 
you're probably if you just like knew how to fuck with it like he did like be able to get a bass a fender yep. bass out of the box today and get it to sound like that <laughs> like, are yeah you, no are, you wouldn't are you and, speaking of that are you guys familiar with the wolf box no this whole th- okay i just went down this giant rabbit hole recently so apparently the the guy who originally or who originally uh he invented the di box mm-hmm. um he created this thing called the what he worked it was like the acme audio wolf box and he lived up there and and basically the people for years have lusted over the sound because they the idea is that that was the, the box that jamerson used to yeah. direct with his bass so like it's like oh you supposedly can't get like the jamerson bass sound with without this box and while yeah it is a very specific transformer that you can't get anymore yada 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 himself the dude like i read an interview with him and and he talked about that and he, and he's the to your point that he was the first one to say like yeah it, it is like I, I i invented it i think it's an awesome box but it has nothing to do with james jamerson's bass sound it's because it was james his, jamerson it was because his hands yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. of course yeah 100 and you know the funny thing about uh, his like you know have obviously played the 62p bass which you know is is the the holy grail of of basses um apparently it was unplayable like the way because he started off as an upright guy and you know yeah. if you ever played an upright the strings are super heavy super tense super tense and then he used his one finger and high kind of high action too dude that bass supposedly was completely unplayable like if if you'd hand that to me or you you'd be like i can't even make my nope. way around this thing so it was kind of and that contributes to the sound of course you know yep. so uh so yeah, I would steal his bass if you if you happen to go there and take the Neve, just grab his bass. <laughs> well, I'll give it a setup. At least but, at that know. way, like we would know what happened to it because there's there's this whole it mythology around it, and nobody knows where it is. Really? Yeah, apparently the word funk is engraved in the heel of it. So right. if you ever get a 62p bass, take the neck off and check it out just to make sure. That's wow, crazy. we we have been doing an excellent job of of tangenting, and I do not say that sarcastically. <laughs> like my every my favorite episodes are always the ones where it's like, wait, what were we talking about? Oh, again? me too. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, got a couple more, a couple two tree randos here. Uh, this co- actually question comes from our previous guest, Mike Maimoni. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, folks, after this one's done, definitely go back and check that out. Lots yeah. of good shit covered for for sure. And if you haven't checked out his record yet, what are you waiting for? Because he's got two out now that came out in like the last month, and they're fucking unbelievable. Uh, but his question for you, Pete, was: When you find yourself running low on inspiration where do you go what do you what do you turn to what are the what are some of the things that you do to kind of refill the tank Mm. yeah um sometimes just pushing through doing more of it like yeah trying Mm -hmm. to just like ignore the like this sucks i suck i'm out of ideas (laughs) like Mm -hmm. and just kind of just keep doing stuff and actually it's timely question because i was feeling a little bit of that like this like the end of this week and i spent the last two days mostly but last two evenings like in front of the turntable just like listening to music outside of the context of making it Mm -hmm. nice yeah just like re-centering with the thing that originally made me interested in making music which was hearing music and being like, how do they do that? How does that, how does that happen? You know? Right. And listening to stuff that's like very different than anything you're working on or making. In terms of genre and, and yeah. instrumentation? Yeah. In terms of... Every, step, like, step away completely from like what you're trying to do or trying to be so like I, I just went and listened to like a two, like cover to cover, like a two disc album of Ravi Shankar just playing... Nice. Sitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I was going to say, I was talking to you this week, Hank, about I wasn't feeling super inspired. And then, you know, for me, it's like sometimes I like to just step away completely. And I think even if you're still listening to music or even if it's playing video games, you know, but I, but uh, Pete, I like your idea of sometimes you do have to just grab your, grab your instrument and push through, you know, and I think that's, there's something to be said about it. And it's it's hard, yeah, too, when it's like, there are like deadlines involved and like, you have things that you need to do and it's about like getting it done. You need Mm -hmm. to get it done. But then you want it. It's like you, you as somebody who, whose job it is to make music, needs to just get it done, get it submitted, get it finished. Does that scare you with like the quality that you might be putting something out that you're not inspired by? Does that ever happen? And that's the thing is like, like then you remind yourself like, okay, well, if I cut any corners right now, I'm going to regret it later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I'm going to look back and be like, why did I do that? This, Mm -hmm. miss this. Um, laziness lives on forever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, well, like and that. It, it's sort of like too. It's you know sometimes it's and it and that it, that that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes you'll say, well, while I'm recording it, maybe it's not perfect, but I, I can fix it later in the mix. But you're still creating a problem for yourself in the future. Just right. like if you're like, oh, when you're you kind of cut that corner in the mix, it's like, well, when you have to hear it back later, or you yeah. don't get the next gig because you took that you cut that corner, then you're gonna have to pay for it then. So it's yeah. like no matter what, you're better off At doing it point. right to begin with. Absolutely. And then it's it's a balance too, right? Because like then you can get nothing done by trying to trying to find problems that don't necessarily even stick out. Oh yeah, okay. sure. Totally, totally valid point. Like so, uh, it's like knowing when to just like make a decision and move forward, and when just say fuck it. it. Yeah. yeah, and knowing when it actually is a problem and you need to make it better. Like, but we do like to invent problems for ourselves sometimes. I think to perhaps <laughs> perhaps ignore some other ones. Exactly. All right, uh, so that's awesome. Now, question for you. This is the last of the couple two tree randos. Uh, what question should we ask our next guest? And uh, we won't tell you who that is or anything. So just someone else in the music world. Uh, what would you like to know from them? Um, why do you do what you do? Boom. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Oh, you know what? You just saying that. I'm so happy you just asked that question. Reminded me of the thing that I was too stoned to remember like <laughs> 45 seconds ago, which was it was it was sort of like uh, by by questioning it, you're forced to some. I feel like one of the issues that I have, and I think a lot of writers have, is even under putting putting what it is that you're doing into 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 the proper context and understanding it, like defining what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And by having to ask these questions, that forces you to even de- define it to begin with. Like maybe it's this amorphous idea that you started tracking or whatever yeah. you don't know what it's for but by by having to ask these questions you're then even reducing it even further to know what the thing was to begin with oh i'm so glad that just that just came back <laughs> for me there and that's a really I, real thing yeah 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 it is Whew, all right that was an excellent excellent segment here so pete let's just like let's just dig in man um, <laughs> where uh so we talked a little bit about like the first things that brought you into music and it's like how did this stuff happen so where did you grow up how did you get into this whole world of loving and making music yeah so i was actually born in um elgin illinois ha, right, yeah, right elgin. on yeah um and when I was like four months old, three months old, my family moved to Hong Kong. And then when I was like four years old, we moved to California, Orange County, California. Um, right on. And so growing up mostly around there and then like, you know, 
my family's all in the Midwest and Wisconsin and Minnesota, and then my mom is in Maryland. Um, so kind of a bunch of places, a bunch of, like, going around a bunch of things and, like, having parents who have traveled. Music was, like, a big part of the household. You know, like, my dad sang in church. My mom's siblings all, like, have guitars and play guitars and, like, write songs. And um, my cousin on my mom's side was, like, in a rock band. He's, like, older than me. Um, and I just, I think we were watching VH1, like, 90 best. No, 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 no. There's, like, this group of guys when I was in fifth grade who I thought were really cool. Like, I was like, oh, these are going to be, like, my cool friends. <laughs> they uh, they started a band, and I was like, I was like, my sister has a guitar. Like, I was like, hey, I want to join your band, and they're like, cool. Like, what do you play? They're like, I was like, oh, I have a guitar, and they're like, well, we already have somebody who plays guitar in the band, and I was like, cool. Well, I can like play guitar too. Like, we also we also have like a keyboard. It was like a Casio keyboard. Yeah, and I just uh, they were down, and then so I just started coming to fifth grade band practices, and uh, wow. had so never rad. like played guitar before. <laughs> what what kind of music was happening at these? Yeah, band practices? I know. Um, we had like a couple like ballads, but we were like in our minds like a rock band, you know. Uh, you guys were like writing music, or were you? Playing we were like trying or? to write music, and we that's learned awesome, like a man. couple covers. Ten, you know, ten, eleven years old—that's pretty impressive. Um, had some. I'd say that it, it floated between like, like seventy and ninety BPM for everything. It was very <laughs> slow. <laughs> um, and just like in that, I was getting really into like Rage Against the Machine and Nirvana were like the early bands I got into. Uh, we watched like 90 best of the nineties, the VH1 thing. And like oh, smells like yeah. teen spirit was like the number one song. And I was like, I could learn how to play that. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. So like it was kind of rap, a rat hole. It was kind of a rabbit hole following that. What um, was, uh, what was the first guitar? Oh, a red Squire Strat, uh, oh, yeah. that I stole from my sister's bedroom. And I actually have it, uh, so when I got a second guitar, which was like an Epiphone Les Paul, uh, custom, it had like one pickup and it was, I, in my mind, like way better than the Squire Strat. Right. I took the guitar completely apart to like learn how it worked, how it was built. Like I took, totally, unscrewed yeah, every cool. screw and nice. I just moved back to California last year um, and like basically the box of stuff that's been at my dad's house since I moved out that I was like, no, don't throw it away. But like, I don't want to take it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, okay, now that I don't have to ship this across the country, uh, take all this stuff back. And I was looking through and just, I found the body to the Squire Strat. Nice. Just oh, the body. Dude. And I'm holding it right now. That's the, awesome. Man. The Squire trademark strat restricted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think I owe it to myself to make like a parts caster. Yes. Out of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, man. Yeah. It's like Beautiful. the, I the ugliest, I, you already answered, I love red. that you 
you you preemptively answered the next question, which was if you still had the guitar, because you definitely. <laughs> yeah. What happened to the neck? Do you know? Yeah, like, man. why do you it's, only have the body? I don't know. I don't. I've like throughout the years, like been visiting like my dad's house, and then like been like, oh, here's like a box of washers that probably came from the pickups, like right, yeah. right, some tuners or something. Like, but I don't know where the neck is. All right. So after you you had your your first uh, your first cool guy band in fifth grade, how did that progress? Like, were you did you get into lessons? Did you were you self taught? Like, how did how did you sort of take the next guitar steps? Uh, just like sitting on the floor and uh, like obsessively playing the guitar and like keyboard subsequently, like a couple years after. Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I didn't ever do the lessons thing. I was like really like stubborn and against it for whatever reason. Did you um, always like, like play with people? people? Like, did you always have? I mean, I know you said sitting on the floor and stuff. No, but, like, actually, did you always like, have people around? Room, like, we didn't do it much more after like that mm-hmm. year. Um, and I kind of just stuck with it. I just kept fiddling and everything, and um, just remained like super interested in it and just like listened to albums and trying mm-hmm. to play along to them i never like i don't know it's like I, I had like a super super undisciplined upbringing in guitar which is funny because like i wound up going to music college um which is like the exact opposite of that but it's, right. like, i didn't like learn how to like play songs or anything i just like i just like would listen to songs and then try to like play my own parts over them and, like Nice. We got your ear that developed. That's your ear, training, sure. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So how did that then? How did you make that leap? Then what made you go from deciding that I don't, I don't want any structure to this, to then going to music college and, and having all of the structure? Yeah, um, I was. Uh, I got like kind of really into classical music, like probably some point in high school. I had, like, a friend who just, like, knew... I had had a friend who went to music college. um, And when he was there, and he would, like, tell me all of these, like, cool little anecdotes and funny stories about, like, these classical composers who, in reality, were really just, like, the rock stars of their time. Yeah, totally. um, So, like, hearing, like, personal anecdotes about, like, Franz Liszt being, like, a rock star around Hungary, like, in (laughs) France, and, like... um, and like listening to that and be like, I should like learn how to do that. And I, I was like always interested in how things worked. And so I think like, and I was always interested in music theory actually. More so, like even when I was like just like sitting on the floor and everything, I was like interested in like the concepts, the building blocks of it all. Mm-hmm. So, oh really? So yeah. between those two things, I was like, I should try this out. So I like actually like freshman year, I went to like classical guitar school in uh, in California, a school called Chapman. Um, and played like you know classical guitar pieces and then i was like well kind of interested in electric guitar and that's pretty cool yeah so, so yeah so yeah sorry but um how did you what, what, what was next then it was like how, how did you decide to do electric guitar what was the what was the evolution there so it's like that was always like the for me like studying classical guitar was like how do i get better at electric guitar and like when i re- when i stared into the face of like that Whole world i realized it was like very insular this is like no disrespect to the classical guitar world but i was like 
my interests in music were like, you know, like I loved bands like ELO and like the Beatles and like mm. stuff like that, where it's like playing the instruments, but and and the songwriting and the particular way you're performing it and the production are all kind of contributing equally to, to the yeah, thing. Yeah. So I was like, and like Wilco, I was listening to like tons at the time. Um, and I was just thinking like my interests in music are so much broader than like solo guitar pieces. Right. 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 Like no matter how deep you can go with that, it wasn't like the same to me as like, um, what new territory can we chart? Like, what's what's next? Like, how do we dip into like all these like old nostalgic things and reinvent them to be new? And I think, mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I think that's kind of how it's all intertwined. With so then you then you went to is that, did you find that because I, I I may or may not have done a little research before this and I and I believe that you went to Berkeley. Yeah, I did. So that was that was that for is this in pursuit of the electric guitar? Yeah. And so like I've been like, you know, like gigging electric guitar for like four or five years at this point. But then like yeah. I was really close with my friend Mason Stoops, who's like very good at the electric guitar, specifically like at that instrument and like its applications and everything. And I was like always just like, man, like looking up to that and like being like, how do I get like better at that? And like so even I went to Berkeley, I got in um, for playing guitar. I played like a classical piece, I played an electric piece, and then I played something on piano. Um, so I, my like quote unquote like primary instrument there were was actually both guitar and oh, cool. keyboards. Um, but I took more guitar lessons there than piano lessons. Um, and uh, yeah, there I like used electric guitar is like my vehicle into other things, music. So it's like, there's like when I started being like, oh, I'll play guitar in your band and then like start songwriting with them, you know? Yeah, sure. Okay. Like, and then, I mean, even what I studied was called contemporary writing and production. So it was like, it's basically like being an old school producer, like, like, uh, being able to write, write parts and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Charts, scores, and then like knowing, how to get that into a DAW to like make it a thing, bring it to life. And sort of even the, a modern, a modern Quincy Jones. He, he actually, I got his scholarship. <laughs> oh no shit. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And we have the same birthday. Um, Quincy Jones and I, um, yeah, so exactly. And for me, like the guitar was always like my North star with that. Um, and it would like came it always came back to guitar every time I would like get out like doing stuff that was like you know more running the choral pieces or just like making like pop music that was like mostly synthesizers and everything I was just like well how do I get some just like good old-fashioned like rock and roll electric guitar on here like how can I like that's like always you know it's both like my vehicle into new places and like my like road home like, it's a, yeah, some, in some ways a safety blanket, but also it's a pretty fucking sweet safety blanket. To totally. Have. And yeah, even like absolutely. since moving to LA and like doing like music, like as my job, it's been like, like I'll come into places as a guitar player and then I'll just be like poking around and seeing what else I can do and like what, you know, but it's like, yeah, right. Well, so question, uh, and, and, 
are, are, did you did you graduate Berkeley or did you quit I, like every I other person that has did been? <laughs> wow, yeah, I, I think that makes you the graduation. first. Yeah, you're the you first Berkeley grad. We've had many many attendees, but I believe you're the first grad that's actually yeah, ever been. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I actually, yeah, I missed my graduation. Um, I was on tour. Uh, that's I, the ultimate flex right there. My, right? That's just like you're doing it right. My last semester, I got like offered to to go on tour and like like a, a proper one, you know, like in a, on a bus and everything. And I was like, I it's happening, everyone. And I came to my professors. It was like literally, I just paid my tuition and like just figured out how I was gonna make it work. And like I was like, I'm finally achieving my dream of graduating college. Like, and then like so many of my professors were like. No, like I was like, so will you work with me? And they'd be like, no, I think you should stay back and finish. Or, yeah, like I think you should take the tour, but like don't like enroll for classes if you're gonna go. You know, like either like right. either or. Yeah. <laughs> I had this one professor who I studied with like a lot when I was there, named Mike Farkasen. He's actually the guy who like started my major. He was just like, he's like, man, I think you got to do it. Uh, and I was like, cool, like I gotta stay in school. He's like all right, yeah, just sign up for only my classes and we'll make it work. <laughs> oh, nice. So I took like a, a semester with just like six classes with the same guy and he only taught on Tuesdays. So I was in every single class of his. It was like Tuesday mornings. I was just like, and then like Mondays, I'd like, I, uh, I did like the uh, orchestra conducting program there. So it was like Mondays, I had to like conduct an orchestra. And then Tuesdays all day, I like went to class and then, uh, this is in Boston. And then like Wednesday through Sunday for like two months, I would fly to LA and go to rehearsal for that band. Holy shit. And, wow. and then when we hit the road, I was just like submitting my assignments like online and like Skyping with him. And it was crazy. It was like That's so big. I was so busy. I was like, I was, like if crazy, I go man. bald, <laughs> I know how it happened. Exactly. Well, it's, it's amazing that you, I mean, it's, it's, very you should be very thankful that you had someone to work with you like that but also at the same time it feels kind of strange to me that a place who i mean theoretically their job as an institution should be to prepare you for the thing that you were doing so yeah. it seems weird that they would also then somehow try to limit you from that but yeah, i guess totally. that's kind of that's business and when uh, i when i thought about it it's yeah, like i wasn't like studying performance i wasn't studying like to be a touring guitarist i was sure oh, so i was like i think they were like seeing it as I was spreading myself too thin, which I probably was, but I, I knew I wanted to do both. <laughs> so I tried to have my cake and eat it too. And here we are. It worked. <laughs> you were, you were young. Your, your young body could handle it at the time. I'm sure. Yeah. So what are some of the, I mean, I know obviously you, you've already mentioned doing this, this sort of like hired touring situation. What are some of the artists that you've, that you've done this guitar and piano sort of thing with so far? Um, there's a with a group called Jaguar Twin, um, which I have checked out. Really cool songs. Yeah, uh, I with this group I was in in college called About You, who's still kicking, and we've like looped back and brought it into the studio a bit. Nice. Um, with a Canadian singer named Goody Grace. Um, yeah, what was the deal with that? I, I th- is that the one where I saw some pictures that involved Travis Barker? Yeah. Oh shit! Tell us about that. Um, so my friend Goody uh, had put out a song, and it was like the first song featuring, like that said, featuring Blink One Eighty Two. Um, 
his song called Scumbag. And we were like touring around that time. And for the LA show, he was like, hey, Travis, want to sit in? So we played um, Adam's song by Blink. We covered Adam's song by Blink. No kidding. And played, oh, uh, played Goody's song Scumbag with Travis on drums. That's cool. You got to play a Blink song with Travis. That is it was, crazy it was really cool awesome, thing. actually. Cause, like, pretty unbelievable. Like, obviously, their, their music is ubiquitous to like people our right. age and everything. But it's like I had never like bought their records. You know, I had never like jammed them super hard by myself and like same sure i was like it was like the last night of tour and everything and i was like feeling sentimental and like happy and like a little bit nervous it was like the biggest show and um i drank like a bottle and a half of white wine before we played <laughs> and so As like any classy guitarist does I'm, I'm just like getting on stage like halfway drunk and like then travis barker comes on to play and i'm like i'm like locking in with him and i'm like wow this guy's a really good drummer like, yeah, no <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> like it took that to realize it right? it took that to realize well, like i was like i know he has a reputation of being like a really good drummer but like wow he's a really good drummer <laughs> those drums are really loud <laughs> yeah he hits real hard yeah he's i mean that's that's just he's he's one of the in my opinion one of the greatest drummers alive so that's just yeah, like a, a very and he's still just doing such rad shit all the time yeah like, exactly yeah he's, he's still, still just like making awesome music all right so that's a couple i know you've you've been pretty busy any other uh any so uh, any other artists that you're working with right now or like your your projects yeah, that you're working on like all of it so um like in quarantine i've like been working with avril like playing piano mostly like on for live stream stuff and um and with the singer marky basie who i was uh out on the road with right until COVID hit um so that was i mean i probably had a thing of timing right so it's like we went on this yeah. long tour and it ended right before like the last leg right when we were starting to get like really dialed right before like, right. Like, all the big shows like la san diego right um and it just like was over and then um, he decided, like, I'm not going to try to, like, rock this album cycle anymore. Like, into the studio. Pete, you want to come? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> they, they, yep, they, sure do. So from, like, the, like, from the jump, they were, like, sending me stuff to work on at home. And then they liked what I was doing from home. And so then we just, like, went into the real studio once, like, the... The vibe was able to be assessed with COVID yeah, safety right. and protocol and everything. It's like really mm-hmm. intense. <laughs> yeah, I don't, adds, I don't want that. Pressure. I don't yeah, want COVID. Adds. So it's no, like man. I like was pulling up into the studio after people having just been tested, like wearing two masks for like yeah. eight yeah. hours, ten hours, like. And then really you have to go perform. perform. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> has um any of the studio stuff that you've been working on has any of that stuff come to light yet or is it all sort of still in progress it's coming out all later? in progress um i think the first single from this marky basie record is coming out next week i think the 23rd oh um, badass yeah what did it's you, really what sick you, what did uh, you do on it um like additional production and i uh, took a george harrison style reverse guitar solo in the bridge nice. um, and did, did you play a rosewood telly no unfortunately it's like <laughs> jazz master though i think oh yeah is it that uh, that nice sunburst one I've seen you showing yeah, up with on yeah. the webs there? Yeah, um, that's awesome. And, you mentioned uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, and I'm just really excited because um, the organist Corey Henry plays on it. Do you know him? He was I don't actually. Puppy. No. 
Oh, oh really? Sweet. Yeah. Wow, man. That's he's like a really, here. really great organist. And so it's like, like, I mean, Mark, my friend, is like a real, like, OG, like, R&B guy. Um, so it's like, like in the studio, getting in the headspace, we're like always bumping Brown Sugar by D'Angelo and like records like nice. that. Yeah. And like Sex- the sexy stuff. The real sexy stuff. And then so Corey is just like a child prodigy as a grown man now like right just like adds like the most tasteful like organ and there's like there's like amazing trumpet player who lays down like a lot of layers of it's i'm excited it's just like musically very interesting and it's coming out soon so sick man can't wait to check that out we'll definitely yeah. make sure to share that on our side absolutely you brought something up that actually i'm glad you did because i want to talk about it a bit you um so when we were introduced, we were introduced by Shelby, former guest and good friend. Shout out to Mr. Shelby Pollard. Um, and, and I sort of had known you kind of more more so as as a guitar person. Um, but you did mention that you've been doing the piano stuff. And you did this, what I, which I watched, this really awesome performance with Avril Lavigne on Jimmy Fallon. Um, and I want to ask, man, like, what is what was that like? What was yeah. playing piano like on this like live, you know, national televised broadcast like <laughs> I mean funny because we did it from home, right? So I was like right. it's like wake up and you're like you're like, okay, cool. Like I'm gonna get ready for my day. So I like, put on a suit <laughs> to like perform on national TV, right? Yeah. But I forgot to put yeah. on shoes. <laughs> my friend's mom was like, I just saw you on Fallon she texted me and she's like, I just saw you on Fallon. Were you barefoot? And I was like Oh my god! I guess I was. <laughs> oh yeah, man! You did the Paul McCartney uh, Abbey Road stuff <laughs> on yeah. accident. We're like, okay, everybody good? Everybody good to film? We're like, yeah, totally. <laughs> did they bring a crew over, or did no? You we did it all from cameras? home. We like, okay, we did the whole thing like ourselves. It was like oh, three wow. of us there, like on quarantine the whole time. So it was like, that's pretty cool. Like, we had we had our friend Lauren like doing the cameras and doing hair and makeup. And setting everything up, basically being like the tour manager and yeah. the lighting and video production person. And then I was doing all the audio and like I was running the DAWs and like the mics and and then we just did it. The did the performance. I'm glad that I'm really proud of with all of these things that we've done with her is like we've done them all 100% live. Like. There's no none no of that click, trickery. It's, no it's tracks, not the song remains the same or anything like, like that. The re- redubbing all the guitar parts. Like, no click or anything, huh? I mean, not even a click for these because it's like, well, she's like a really legitimately great singer. Yeah. So it's like not really much work needs to be done, like in mixing, if we just mic things well. Wow. It's like very cool. It's yeah. Badass. So as far so, as going on national yeah. TV, it, was, it wasn't weird at all until like watching it. I was like, oh yeah. That video, yeah, like five million people saw this, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, and, and there's my toes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So you know, this we're not the we're not the sort of uh, this we're not the sort of like celebrity gossip podcast or anything like that. But I do want to ask you a question because you know, obviously, if if anybody doesn't know, there it's been in the news. You and Avril Lavigne are an item, blah blah blah. But I want to ask you as someone that like wasn't really in the public eye and then all of a sudden finds yourself you know getting videos and photos and stuff on like tmz and that kind of shit like what right. is that what has yeah, that man. been like i what googled is, the like, name and it was like that was all the stuff that came up yeah yeah because i didn't know you know shelby sends me your 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 like we started a little group text or whatever and then i'm like oh who's this guy i'm gonna check out his like guitar instagram and all of a sudden I see him, i'm like oh he's on like tmz and shit okay like <laughs> is that weird what, what, yeah, yeah what is that weird. like yeah it's just like well because especially because like that is never 
I mean, like, I didn't really watch that much TV growing up, and I've never been interested in celebrity gossip. Right. And it's just like, it's just like, oh, yeah, a lot of people care about stuff like this. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, I personally, like, try to just not give them anything more than, yeah, <laughs> like, right. you know, like, don't try to give it away too easy to them. I know, like, some people like to, like, milk the whatever. Exactly. But, like, but that's not. Have, uh, do you, do, I mean, like, are you still getting uh, paparazzi and shit even during COVID? Like, are, I mean, are there no, still people we, trying we, to find we, that we kind of shit? pretty low, so it's, like, Yeah. Cool. Saved by the Pando. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, all right. So I think I think we've established here that we've all we're all we're all gear geeks. We're all tone snobs. We're all constantly just like caring about this sort of stuff. And I had this oh, yeah. thought and I and and I'm and I would like to pose this question to both of you. And and, and, my, and maybe might maybe you've got it on the top of your head, maybe you don't. I don't know. But I was wondering we all develop our own little sort of like specific tone snob opinions. And I would like to know both of your snobby snobbiest, both of your snobbiest tone snobbery opinions. And, and, and to give you a moment to think, I know what, like the first one that popped into my head. Yeah. Do yours first. Sure. So, you know, I, I have a lot of guitars. I love guitars. I'm constantly thinking about them. And, but one of the things I've noticed is that, when it comes to things like, for instance, say like a Japanese import or like the um, the lawsuit Les Pauls or something mm-hmm. like that, if I if I see like a Japanese lawsuit Les Paul will say, I won't even fucking pick it up if that thing's got a bolt on neck. <laughs> like you know how there's all those like lawsuit guitars where it like looks exactly like a Rickenbacker or a Les Paul or something, but then it turns out not to be a set neck and it's a bolt on. If I know that it's like a cheap bolt on, I'm like instantly closing the, the tab. Don't even want it. Don't want to know anything more about so it. So I'm gonna um, take away the text I almost sent you about this Lotus, the Black Les Paul. Um, <laughs> right now, exactly. Did, Did you see it? it? No, I didn't. It but I, awesome. I know. I know. It looks awesome from the front, and then you see that's a bolt on, and I'm just yeah. like hard pass. Not interested. right. Well, of course, you have a real, you know, what 76 Les Paul. I've got some old Gibsons. I'm, yeah. but it's not even that. It's just like I've played enough of those shitty guitars throughout my my advanced yeah. years here to know that like I just don't like them, and I don't want anything to do with them. And I recognize <laughs> that that's like kind of a bizarre, goofy tone snob thing to have, but. I'm just being honest with y'all and I'm hoping that my honesty might inspire some honesty from the, from the two of you about something that you're just like unnecessarily snobby about. Well, I'm, can I just be, I'm going to piggyback off yours just a little bit. I will say, I don't know if it's tone snobby. It's snobby in the fact that I think if it looks cool, I just imagine that it's going to play cool. Like for instance, that Les Paul that I almost sent you, is like a seventies black, you know, it, I feel, but I, I do feel in the sense that if you're inspired to pick it up and it looks cool from across the room, then maybe that will be a better guitar than something that's just unattractive. Dave, you're making me look bad here. That's like some, no, no, no. Re- that's like reverse tone snobbery. I'm no. sorry. I, no, I'm, <laughs> no, because I also hate bass with humbuckers. How about that? Like, let's oh, just throw it out there. so you're no, no Ernie ball, no, like a stingray for you. Uh, well, yeah, those, those are pretty punchy. I don't know what they do to those things, but those, those sound different. I'm talking more like the, um, <laughs> like the mud buckers. The yeah. The mud buckers, like yeah. the, like the fender, like early seventies with the humbucker. They just, to me, I've, I've used them in studios. They've just never cut through the mix. Maybe it was the producer. I don't know. Um, but no bass yeah. with humbuckers. All right. Yeah. I just, uh, give me the split P or the jazz bass and we're, we're good to go. All right. I, that qualifies. I'm into that. All right. Pete, have you Pete, been, a, up. Have you been yeah, involved with anything? Um, as much as I love, like, everyone around me, you know, like, 
wants to do things, get it done, keep it clean, simple, and everything. And I'm mm-hmm. just like real pedals, real synthesizers, really big gear that takes up the whole room and might look yeah. super ugly. <laughs> yes, is way more fun than VSTs. <laughs> no shit, man. You, I I could not agree with you anymore. It's like, it's like yeah, he's on the right podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why did you just buy a fourth synthesizer for this why did you just buy your fourth moog synthesizer i'm like they have vsts i'm just like yeah but this one does like like slightly different stuff (laughs) there's a difference between having the tactile knob feedback even if it sounds identical you're going to interact with it differently with a physical thing and And i'm i'm a a major still currently yes 100 and still part of me feels like especially for bass sounds like you're not. It's not going to sound identical unless you use the like, real nope. shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nah, of course not. Of course, it's going to sound different. Whether or not that is "quote unquote" better or worse is a debatable, <clears throat> subjective matter. Right. But it is going to be different no matter what. Like I love me some good VSTs, and like yeah. I did two tours with the Helix by Line Six. Yeah, awesome, awesome and device. It, it's MIDI syncable, so it's like all my delays were in time and exactly. stereo. And, like, my patches changed for me and everything. A lot of really, really awesome stuff. But that's why I'm so drawn to these, like, automaton line of Chase Bliss pedals is because they're the real shit. And also MIDI syncable. (laughs) Digitally controlled analog, man. That's the shit. So, like, that's what I'm trying to be on. I love that. Like, I want them to finish that reverb so I can... (laughs) Yeah, that 224, man. That thing is crazy. I, uh, when I was in Boston, this is such an aside, sorry if it's going off the the tangent rail. I'm I'm really bringing my tangent oriented thought process to this podcast. This is what we do, bro. Um, Don't worry about it. When I was in Boston, I sang in the Harvard summer choir one year and, uh, I sat next to this old man also in the tenor section and he was asking me what I do. I said, Oh, actually I do music. Like that's. He's like, oh, cool, like, I'm an engineer, but, like, I actually have worked in music. Like, that's really cool. He goes, like, he's like, yeah, I went to school here, graduate class of 66. And I was like, rad. Like, what have you done in music? He goes, do you know the Lexicon Reverb? I was like, yeah. He goes, no oh, I designed way. that. And I was that's like. That's insane. What? And he's just like. Like so, the algorithm or the <clears throat> hardware? Like, what yeah. do you do? <laughs> yeah. Because it's like, I think Lexicon was a Massachusetts-based company. So I like didn't know that. One that would of make their sense, first though. reverbs, like the like big one. Like oh yeah, the, the two huge one. The, yeah, <laughs> uh, and like, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I I use that. Pl- I use the UAD plugin version of that. Like uh, pretty much everything I ever do. Cool. I didn't know the UAD had a plugin for it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's so good. Uh, so, all right. Well, I mean, that's been a lot of gear. I just, I do want to ask, I mean, I've seen having, having checked out the old Instagram, I've seen a handful of different guitars. We already talked about the jazz master. I've seen a telly. I've seen you playing a fender six, which I think might, uh, excite Dave. Um, yeah. what do you, that's what's actually your sort CME. of, Oh, really? Oh, really? Yeah. The fender six. What's your, what's your, so is, it, is the jazz master your, uh, your, your top axe these days? What do you, what do you find these yourself days? playing? Yeah. <clears throat> I just like grab it cause it looks cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. is, that, is, that a vin- is that a vintage? No, or like a it's a 2019. Oh wow! Yeah, nice. got it. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Um, last winter, and it was like, like the heaviest Jazzmaster I think I'd ever played, and it looked in cool. terms of weight or like in terms, you know, of, in like, terms of like it's fucking heavy, like, bro. Like, <laughs> really? Probably like ten pounds or something like that. No shit. Dang. Like, 
it's a lot for some reason. Um, and it was cool, and I played it, and then I put new strings on it, and, like, got it a little bit set up, and it was just, like, whack, and it was, like, all this shit was just, like, going wrong with it, and, like, it was just, like, not holding up, and I was, like, oh, that sucks. So I brought it with me on tour, and I don't know if you guys know Andy Pitcher. He's kind of, like, in our same kind of I don't, friend uh. circle. <clears throat> he, uh, he does stuff with uh, Red Panda. And, oh, love their pedals. Yeah, he's, like, a really cool guitarist and, like, uh, guitar paraphernalia guy. Um, a gear a gear bud, if you will. Um, Indeed. Perhaps a future gear bud for the show. <laughs> and, yeah, hopefully. And uh, he had worked as a tech before. So, and he lives in Philly, and we were in Philly. <clears throat> and I was like, hey, like, can you help me fix this guitar? It, like, kind of sucks. He's like, sure. <laughs> so he comes and he like, I don't even, I just like, I'm just like, do whatever you do. I don't know anything about setting up guitars, unfortunately. Um, when I really should. And he's like taking the neck off and like putting like pieces of paper in between the neck and the body, like doing like, all this stuff. And like the guitar was like a pretty awful, unplayable condition for a little while. And, uh, and then he set it up and got it like working again and in perfect time because like then we played like the, Star Spangled Banner at a, um, at a basketball game at the next game, like the next day. Is that that Madison oh, Square Garden picture? Yeah, yeah, I was wondering what was wow. going on with that. You're, yeah, there was a there's a photo if anybody hasn't seen it, Pete on the floor of Madison Square Garden with that Jazz Master. I'm just That's like, what's nuts, going on dude. there, man? <laughs> yeah, so we played the the Star Spangled Banner, um, and I did it like, like I don't know. I had like a lot of I used the automaton and just like I had like a lot of gain. It's like, like I just like made it like kind of jimmy it out. Seventies rock. What do you say? (laughs) Did you jimmy Hendrix it out? I jimmied it out like a little bit. You got to give it a little, a little jimmy, and it was cool because like yeah, all these people who were like sitting were like, we come every time and nobody does it like this, and we're like, okay, cool. Like like, that's the ultimate compliment. That's really the ultimate. I was like, I just did it because I've never. Watch somebody sing the Star Spangled Banner at a basketball game before. I just <laughs> I didn't know what the what the basis was. Um, so it worked then, and then it like sucked again when we got to Detroit and it got like super winter. And then I just like left it with Shelby, and Shelby like got it set up, working well. He, and he, he does back. have a way with those things. There's yeah. no doubt about it. He put a mastery bridge on it. Um, oh yeah, he loves those. And now it just, like, stays in tune better, sounds better. I kind of want to do something with the pickups, like, especially with, like, most of what I do is, like, in the studio, so it's, like, a lot of, like, hum. Um, oh, yeah, those things, they can get noisy. Really sure. noisy. Um, so I need, like, one more little, like, thing and maybe, like, another thing. But well, you're—I mean—you're a guitar player. We we can never leave well enough alone. Yeah. If it's like perfect, there's always like, well, but yep. what if I did this one other little thing that yeah. maybe would ruin it, but also might totally make me sound the best I've ever sounded. And <laughs> I, I, I did notice. So obviously, you're playing guitar and you were playing bass in a lot of these photos. I'm a bass player myself. I, I've got a comment on that. Um, and I wanted to say about—I wanted to talk about the bass six for a second. It was was that kind of the happy medium between guitar and bass? Yeah, like, because like, how do you feel about playing bass? in this band and I had never played bass before. <laughs> I didn't, oh. I didn't even own one. Like I was borrowing a bass, like on tour nice. playing bass. Um, and then I was just like, well, and like I would like find myself, like if I would be like 
ever like when we were like dialed and we were like playing we had all the parts we had the show like known like the yeah. back of our hand i would like start improvising i would like quite yeah. literally like run out of strings sometimes for like ideas yeah. that I, like, <laughs> start playing chords on it I would, yeah i would like play guitar on it or something um and then so i was like man i really want a bass six and then like shelby was like oh cme just made some and they're so badass yeah <clears throat> i'm actually gonna be like using it in a session probably tomorrow um oh, no shit. i just like cool. love yeah i love it because it's like kind of like a guitar <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. like right like it's it is exactly the happy medium between guitar and bass and it's like you can really dial in like those low strings can really sound like a p bass or something yeah like, it's pretty amazing if you play through the right amp right course, you know. plus you can play <laughs> the uh the, the intro to back in the saddle by aerosmith no, no shit. shit. Okay. <laughs> he, did he did that on a Fender Six. Yeah. Pro tip. Hell yeah. Love it. Oh and man. What's up? Sorry, Dave. No, no I was just gonna say, saying, "Hey Jude, I think you can also play." Really? Like I didn't yeah. know that. That's a Fender Bass. Yeah, isn't he playing a? Yeah, on Hey Jude in the video, they have everybody singing, uh, sitting in a circle. You would know. You're the you're the Beatles bass yeah. boy for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Sick. All right. Well. Gentlemen, I feel amazing about that conversation. Uh, yeah, that was great. Man. I want to ask Pete. So, you know, anybody listening interested in either checking out what you're up to or want to work with you or anything like that, where in the World Wide Web would you send them? Um, probably Instagram. Probably to my Instagram. See, I'm like, I guess I'm accidentally like very vague on there. But um, if you want to holler at me, come on Instagram. I'll uh, I try to answer people. I don't always do it. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's really the thought that counts. <laughs> and, and it's, it's at, at uh, Pete A. Jonas. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's listening to what I'm up to, I guess keep your eye out for this uh, Marky Basie single. It's called Free Like Me. It's coming out next week. That's awesome. We'll definitely repost that on Instagram and Facebook and all that shit, too, once that's out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll be in tune. I'm, I'm working on my own stuff slowly. Um, yeah, generating like a first body of work. Cool. So I guess that's like a little bit down the road. I'll be talking about that when once, I get the ducks in, have, a, in a row. I was gonna say once you've got that dialed in and maybe uh, a single or something coming out, we'll have you back on. And yeah, oh, I'd love to be back on with you guys. You guys are awesome. Um, you are. You're awesome. <laughs> yeah, you're great, dude. That was seriously. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for being so open and honest and filling us in on everything going on in your world and dealing with our our hijinks um dave man you know i can't wait to see you one of these days it's gonna be it's you know it's been months at this point we have been secluded from each other for a long time exactly in the same city yeah yeah we're in chicago Chicago. actually in a similar neighborhood to be honest right we're not far so we just yeah we just took the show all virtual just to like keep it easy but you know the thing is I'll probably even edit this part out, but like I, w- I just moved into a new studio right before the whole lockdown, and now I have like a ton of space in there in more days than we did before. So we can we can figure something out sooner yeah. rather than later about getting and doing this in person again. But Absolutely. we just have, we haven't done it yet. Yeah, yep, we're getting there. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's a slow boat to China right now. So that's right. All right. Well, hey, you guys are awesome. Yeah, yeah man, that was a good one. And, uh, stay safe. I'll holler at you guys when uh, I'm in Chicago next. Yeah, Please do, man. We'd yeah. love to hang. Him. 